Welcome to this episode of Inside Publishing, the series where we interview industry experts on everything publishing. Today's episode is brought to you by the SYP Ireland branch. We chat to Laura Cassidy of Banshee Press, a literary journal and small publishers. We delve into the ins and outs of bringing a book from submission to print, the importance of literary journals and the freedom of curating your publishing list as a small press. Hello and welcome to the SYP podcast. My name is Joyce. I'm the podcast officer for the SYP Ireland team. And today I'm joined by Laura Cassidy from Banshee Press. Um, today we're going to be have a, having a chat about the ins and outs of a small press and literary journal and hopefully demystify some of the processes of that for publishing hopefuls. But before we get into that, Laura, I'll just ask you uh, to introduce yourself and maybe give a little bit of a background into Banshee. Yeah, so thanks so much, Joyce, for having me on the podcast. So I'm um, a publisher and editor at Banshee is my official title. And we publish a literary journal called Banshee twice a year and then also a select list of books. So this year we're publishing two titles, um, Rosamond Taylor's debut collection, In Her Jaws, and then a wonderful hybrid member memoir from David Toms in September. So we published the journal and the books. So there's quite a bit to do um, in Banshee. And my role is a, a little bit of everything, basically. So I would be uh, working on acquiring books for the press, uh, reading submissions for the journal, editing both the journal and the books, um, liaising with distributors and stockists and sales reps and publicists and all that kind of thing. And we set up the journal in late 2014. Myself and my co-editors, Claire Hennessy and Emer Ryan, we were um, friends and writers at the time. And we were also fans of literary journals. So we loved reading them and Emer had appeared in quite a few. And there was an exciting scene at the time of Irish literary journals. So we decided to set up our own one. Uh, we thought there was space for um, a team of women editors uh, young women editors to maybe set up their own publication. So we went ahead with that and it really snowballed over the next um, seven years into this small press that's just really exciting to be part of. Great. Um, so it sounds like you definitely have um, a busy schedule <laughs> or lots to juggle uh, with a small press. And we will probably get into, I think, um, the kind of nitty gritty of, of that. But uh, before we do that, I'd like to kind of ask you just a little bit more generally about um, literary journals in Ireland because um, it really feels like there's such an influx of them at the moment and I think even when you started originally there was as well at the time and I'm just wondering like why do you think that is and what role do literary journals play in the publishing landscape or the literary scene in Ireland? Yeah that's a great question. Uh, I think like their role and what has always been the role of the literary journal is to spot new talent. So to give a space for emerging writers and writers who are just starting out. And it's a really good place to do that because you get the experience of being edited, but you also get to experiment a bit and maybe find what style or what form um, you like most and maybe want to pursue in a book. There's also less pressure as well on literary journal editors when it comes to marketing and sales. So we can pick a very quirky piece, um, you know, that we just like and we can give it space. And it's also quite exciting in terms of 
editors and agents may be reading literary journals and coming across talent. So it's good for the readers and the publishers of literary journals and also for writers who are appearing in them. And what you're saying about like the scene and how there was quite a few new publications and there still is. It's so exciting to see this resurgence of literary journals in Ireland. And I suppose the main reason I would think why they are, why there are so many and it's such a, a great environment for them, I think there's probably two reasons. And one is the journals that have been around for a while, like the Stinging Fly and the Dublin Review are just so good, so inspiring, like the quality of the production and the editorial just amazing and I think when people read those publications and go to their events like I did they're inspired to make their own publications and also the editors of those publications uh, Declan Mead and Brendan Barrington are so supportive to new editors and new publishers like the scene in Ireland people really aren't exaggerating when they say that everyone is lovely everyone is so supportive of each other like it's just so that has been my experience absolutely and also the Arts Council, you know, we couldn't exist without them. They not only fund publications that have contributed for a while to, to Irish literature, but they also have this like uncanny ability to be able to spot the publications that they think, you know, that they're funnel money into and then they can grow at a very early stage. And that's really crucial for print publications because print is so expensive. And if you don't have that influx of cash at the start, it can be very hard to get to the next stage. So we were so lucky we got Arts Council funding for our third issue. And that really kind of was a, a, a springboard to help us to develop into the small press. We, we just couldn't exist without that. So the Arts Council in Ireland are just so vital to this resurgence of the print literary journal. Um, and also the the publications that were there already. And even now, like there's a new publication called The Four-Faced Liar based in Cork. They, they have a funded, they had just recently um, reached their target there. So there's still this appetite for, for new publications too. Yeah, it, it is really inspiring to hear um, that there's the support there. Um, I just did the MA in Literature and Publishing at NUIG and we had a guest talk from Tramp Press um, one time and they really spoke about that as well when they were setting up, like I, I know they're not a journal, but um, when they were setting up um, their business that that everybody in the community was really willing to give um, advice and um, help them, which I just thought was was really lovely. Absolutely. And, and we would have went to Tramp Press for advice too when it came to, to our small press and they've they've really paid it forward. Um, so I guess something I'm really interested in about Banshee is that you do both. Um, you have a literary journal and uh, um, you print books as well. Um, so why, like when, when you first decided to do that, why not just a journal? Why both? Um, and uh, like, what are what are the challenges of doing both of them at the same time? How does the process differ for each? Yeah, um, I think from the beginning, we did have the plan to have a small press eventually alongside the journal. We all three of us had kind of worked with books in some capacity. So we were aware of not taking on too much at the very start. So we decided to set up the journal and then we thought down the road will expand into a small press um, but we expanded into the press a little bit sooner than we had planned and that was because we um, were sent a 
a book by a brilliant writer who he had published in the journal. She appeared in the first issue of Banshee. Her name is Lucy Sweeney Byrne. And that was her first time to actually appear in print. A phenomenally talented writer. And um, she got in contact with us when she was putting together a, a book. And we read it. We were just blown away, which we knew we would be. And we had actually talked about possibly approaching Lucy about a book around the same time as she sent it to us. So we thought, okay, this is a sign. We have to go for it. We didn't really feel ready as such, but we said, you know, we can't pass up this opportunity. We thought she was such a fantastic writer and we knew that readers would would react positively to the book, which they did. So we decided to go for it. So it happened a little bit sooner than we would have planned maybe. But it, it worked out, um, as I was saying, like the support was just great uh, from other writers too. And we were able to kind of schedule it that we we could run the journal alongside the press. We, again, were conscious of not taking on too much. So we said, we'll do a book a year to start off. And that has now gone into two years. So I think like the trick is to not overburden yourself, but to also be positive and be ambitious and not be afraid to take risks um and I'm also curious about um the way that you might develop a list and how you might think of that like you spoke uh very briefly there about maybe having a bit more freedom with um a journal you know you can say oh this is kind of quirky I like this let's go for it um but it, I'd imagine it's quite different uh if you're publishing a, a book of short stories or something like that um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you might deal with submissions um, or commissioning for a journal versus a print publication or not a print publication, but a book. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I suppose our pr- approach wouldn't be that different when it comes to the journal and the books. We get a lot of the authors from our press from the journal. So it would be people who have appeared a few times in the journal. That was the case with B.B. Ashley. We published her collection, Gold Light Shining, and Deirdre Sullivan, whose uh, short story collection, I Want to Know That I Will Be Okay, we published last year. So a lot of our writers, that's how they they come to us. Um, And it's great because we have a small team here and we just have to convince each other about a book. And one of the great things about the small team is that we all have quite similar taste. So um, we tend to kind of be excited about the same things. So, you know, there are obviously challenges when you have a, a, a tiny press as we do, but then there are also uh, positives in that you don't have a huge team of people that you have to convince about a book. You can, we can find something that we love and we can say, okay, let's do it. And, you know, we, um, we put together our funding applications and that kind of thing. And we have gotten such a positive reaction from, from that. And, you know, um, we're thinking about what we think readers will respond well to. So the way that we operate, we're not operating with a focus on profit or a focus on sales. Obviously, we like when a book sells and we do believe that it's a publisher's job to sell a book. And, you know, it's great that if authors are involved in social media and that kind of stuff, if they enjoy it, but we see it as our job to sell the book and, and not the author's job alone. So our focus is on good work, exciting, right, exciting writing. And I think that like, that's, that's such a great position to be in where you can just find something that you love. And two years later, it can be on the shelf. Um, but obviously, like there's a responsibility with that too. And we're, because we do publish a lot of emerging writers, you want to make sure 
that a book is the best that it can be before it comes out. So we would have quite um, a, a kind of a keen editorial eye and, and quite maybe a lengthy editorial process. But we want to make sure that we're doing justice to the book that we have been sent. And um, so, yeah, that's that's a huge focus of ours, you know, getting preparing uh, material for publication. So that would be the same with the journal as with the book. So there's a lot of crossover, I suppose. Yeah, um, I think that really shows that that uh, when you're picking a book, you're going for something that you think readers will really enjoy. Um, and I think that's something that maybe sets apart a small press in comparison to a much larger one. Um, like I, I read Gold Light Shining and really loved it. Um, and I did remember thinking like I'd never read anything like that. And I, you know, it, it felt a bit unusual, you know, um, and it's really nice to see something like that being given a chance to be enjoyed when possibly it might not have been if it was a much larger uh, publishing house. Um, so when you select um, or commission um, something to be printed, how do you think of the whole list um, as how would that reflect on the press or do you just look at each individual submission as what you might enjoy um, as in you know you've had short stories and poetry collections and I, I now see you've got Pacemaker um, a memoir coming out soon do you think about every, the whole list um, in its entirety before you decide to publish something? That's such a great question and I haven't really thought about it but I'm thinking about it now and um, yeah because I think the journal definitely has its own tone and its own style and to some extent like there's a lot there's a lot of variation in the material that we publish but overall I've heard writers say you know I wrote this short story and I just felt like it was a fit for Banshee or even that I wrote this with you in mind so I think it does have a certain kind of um, voice uh, editorial voice but also the material that's in it shapes the voice of the journal um, so I think like the books that we publish are in conversation with each other um, but we are when we're looking at a title I suppose we're looking at what is this book or what is this story if it's in the journal or poem or essay what is it trying to achieve and is it doing that so the focus is usually on the book or the piece as a single thing but then I think just because our editorial style and our taste I guess shapes the press but definitely if something came out of left field that like something that was so different to anything we've had published before that wouldn't be seen as um, a negative for that but that publication or that book so yeah it's, it's really interesting to kind of think about that because there are definitely similarities uh, with the in, between the different books that we have published and I suppose that's for outsiders to kind of comment on I suppose and enough for, for us to analyze too much <laughs> but great question um is there anything that that you would not publish like is there any kind of genre or some or form that you would uh, have decided that you, you would stay away from um so we don't publish children's fiction and having said that like I come from a young adult fiction background so sometimes maybe stories we publish might have might have a hint of the young adult genre that wouldn't um go against a piece necessarily but we don't publish children's fiction other than that like we're very open when it comes we're all fans of genre fiction so we read everything uh, or mix of everything um 
you know, just in terms of thinking about what you wouldn't publish if we thought that something would be offensive to any type of reader, then we wouldn't publish it. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's it's just kind of on the merits of an individual piece. Um, so I, I'm wary that our listenership is mostly publishing hopefuls, looking to get into the industry. Um, and the publishing industry can be can seem very closed off or can seem um, just kind of it can be hard to find information out about the actual practical day to day of what it might be like to work in publishing. Um, so I'm wondering if we could get more practical and maybe you could talk us through the process of bringing a book um, from submission to print. Like, you know, I'd love to know uh, what a print run uh, you might do or what kind of ways you might market a book and things like that. Yeah, so as I was saying, a lot of our books tend to come from people who have been in the journal, but we do occasionally hold open submissions. So sometimes books will come to us from that. We've just held one so far, but we've got a really exciting title that's coming out next year that we'll be announcing in in the autumn. Um, So once we have picked a title, rather if it's from the open submissions or if it's from an author that maybe we have approached or who has been in the journal and approached us, then we will have a discussion amongst the team and decide whether we're going to make an offer for the book or not and we will then approach the author and they will um, hopefully accept and then we will get into the contract stage so sometimes authors have an agent sometimes they don't and we as a small press want to make sure that our contracts are very author friendly that we the team here are all writers ourselves so um we encourage, you know, writers to get the contracts looked over. And once they're happy with that, um, we sign the contract. But at, while that is going on, often the editorial process has already started. So there will be a few different rounds of edits. What we do here is kind of an unusual approach, maybe, but it's sort of a collaboration between the editors. So the editorial team here, say if it's fiction, um, we will all read it and maybe offer suggestions and that kind of thing and send the edits to the writer and then we will get into that process. So there, w- there will be a couple of rounds of that. Meanwhile, I will be talking to our sales rep, um, Brookside Publishing Services, our sales reps, they're fantastic. And we will be thinking, you know, a good bit ahead about um, approaching booksellers and um preparing AI sheets and all this kind of stuff. So everything is kind of happening all at once almost. We're also thinking about publicity and for the poetry, we do that in-house. And then for the fiction, we um, have freelance publicists. So we think about the the approach to that as well. And as as we're kind of preparing all this kind of stuff, we're scheduling and making sure that Um, the printing and all that kind of stuff is laid out that we have enough time for maybe things going wrong but we also keep a pretty tight schedule and try to keep on top of everything so we're looking at that as well so there's yeah all these kind of things that we have to keep an eye on but we try to we have by now we have a process kind of worked out that we tend to stick to that's so interesting um how long would that process take? Uh, is it a year-long process or more or less? 
Yeah, it would usually be at least a year. It would kind of depend on um, the manuscript, like sometimes, especially if it's a debut, there might be a longer editorial process um, and not always, but it kind of depends on that. But yeah, you'd be looking at at least, um, usually we would acquire books maybe two years in advance, but at least 18 months before they come out so that we have that time to to really make the them the best that they can be and to do justice to the book and the author and to make sure like author care is a real priority for us and to make sure that people are happy with the process and kind of understand what's what's going on because I my first two books came out before I had the experience of working in publishing so I'm really aware of like publishing can be so um, mysterious if you're not actually in it Um, but also I suppose authors don't need to be aware of every tiny production task either so it's kind of balancing keeping authors informed and you know showing them covers and that kind of thing we like to involve authors in the, in that process as well um, and definitely the editorial process we make suggestions but we want the author to be happy with the finished product as well um, and so speaking of things like author care um in general i was wondering what you think um a small press can offer that a larger publishing company can't um, and I, I'm guessing that's one of one of the things, you know, <laughs> more time and, and more personal care, maybe. Um, is there anything um, that you would like to add about that? Or Yeah, um, well, I suppose you, you try definitely to be attentive to, to authors and to, you know, give them as much time as you can. It definitely is, you know, with a bigger press, um, you have so many advantages in terms of distribution and access to all these resources. Um, So we definitely try to give, in terms of distribution and publicity, we try to give, um, obviously it won't be the same experience, but we very lucky in Ireland, the way it's set up, that we are distributed by Gill, who distributes, you know, very, very big publishers too. So we have access to that. We have access to brilliant freelance publishers, publishers who are publicists who also work with interna- huge international publishers. So we're able to give, in terms of distribution and publicity, um, an experience that you might not necessarily associate with a very tiny operation. But the distribution is just so key because the independent bookshops in Ireland are so good at promoting independent publishers and giving them a space. And also the bigger chain bookshops are great at that too. But if you don't have that distribution, then they won't be able to offer you, you know, that that kind of platform. So the fact that we are able to access the distribution is just amazing. Um, so I suppose what we're trying to do is keep that ethos of the small press while also making the most of the opportunities that we have to um, give authors a platform that they can reach as many readers as possible. Is the way that the distribution works that you've just described there, is that quite unique to Ireland? Or um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but I, I, I do kind of recognise in that before I got into publishing, I would have thought, you know, a small press with a team of three people managing it. 
I wouldn't have thought, okay, that book is going to be center stage in Eason's, but that can absolutely happen. And that's just so exciting. So I'm, I haven't worked in publishing any, in any other country, so I'm not sure if it's unique, but I, I do get the sense that um, independent publishers here are really supported and, and really see, not seen as lesser um, than like the big kind of big publishers. They're seeing like that there's space for the two to operate alongside each other, which which is quite good. Um, and so so you did mention this briefly already, um, but you um, have a writing background and I believe the other members of your team do as well. Um, so from your from your personal uh, like standpoint, what is it like having seen the publishing industry from both sides? Uh, if you, you know, if, if you were to write again or publish something again, what do you think you might have learned or would you do anything differently? Um, yes, I've learned so much. Like I've, I've definitely learned to be more patient because when you're writing a book or a, a short story or whatever, your, main, your entire focus is that book, um, you know, this one kind of singular thing for, a, for an extended period of time, or at least that's my experience. So then when you go to submit it to places, you know, you're still in that mindset, but that's landing on a desk where you're one of maybe thousands of submissions. And I was kind of told that, but I never really got the sense of it until I was on the other side of the submission pile. And I was like, okay, there, there's so much material here. There's so much for publishers to choose from. So, and it, it also has given me a, a better understanding that in terms of rejection, which I had come from a drama background before. So I think I was actually quite good at sort of compartmentalizing rejection and saying it's not because I was always told when I was doing acting auditions that if you don't get a part, it doesn't mean you're not a good actor. It just means that you're not right for that part. So I try to give bring that to my writing as well. But I definitely have a much better sense that if a piece is rejected or a book is rejected, it, it's not the end for that book. You know, it could be a few in a few years time, it could resurface as in a different form or also the exact same book. But an editor might just come along and love it. And there are, we could fill the journal a few times over with each submission pile there, you know, there's a lot of discussion that goes into it, a piece could almost get in and then it's just a, a, a question of page count and just not being able to fit in everything that we love. So it has given me that understanding and also that in publishing there's a lot of different things that need to happen correctly for a book to make it out onto the shelf in time. So if an editor or is not uh, responding to a query that you might have, they could be trying to sort out a very important problem, time-sensitive problem. So it's not that they don't care about your email. It's that maybe if they don't sort out a problem, the book may not come out at all. But you, as the author, you're not going to be aware of all these kind of things that need sorting out. So definitely now, if I send out a piece or if I send, you know, a, a finished draft, I kind of sit back and I think when the person gets to it, that's when that's when they're meant to get to it and to not obsess about that kind of thing. Um, it's good, obviously, to be extremely focused on your work um, and to really fight for it and, and all that kind of thing. But you also have to realize a lot of people in publishing, as yourself and your listeners would probably know, are overworked and have a lot on their plate. So just to kind of chill a bit is what I have learned. It's not, not a bad thing to have learned. <laughs> yeah. 
in life in general as well as publishing <laughs> um so we're going to kind of wrap it up now Sue but I I wanted to ask um you to tell us a little bit about the two books that you are publishing this year I know one is already out and I believe the second one is coming out in September Yes, yeah, so um, Rosamond Taylor's debut poetry collection, uh, we have just published that. It's called In Her Jaws. And uh, Rosamond appeared in a couple of issues of Banshee. And we were just so impressed with her talent. And when she sent us the manuscript as well, Rosamond was the person that we had approached um, to see if she was working on a manuscript. And it's, it's just such an exciting collection. Um, and the hybrid memoir that we're publishing in the autumn is called Pacemaker by David Toms. And in it, he explores um, his experience of living with the congenital heart defect and um, his experience of using walking as a way to kind of, uh, as, a, as a means of exercise, but also kind of a, as a means of meditation. And he is living in Norway. He's He grew up in Waterford, lived in Cork for a time, and he's now living in Norway. So the book um, moves between a few different locations, and we're very excited about, about that too. Um, and it's it's just great as well because readers of the journal also tend to keep an eye on our books, so we ha will have people um, ordering or pre-ordering our books uh, and, you know, telling us that they're, they can't wait to read them. So I'm really excited to see the reaction. The re reactions are already coming in from Rosamond's, Rosamond's collection and readers are responding so well to it. So I'm excited to see what readers uh, make of, of David Tom's book and if the advanced reader reactions are anything to go by, I, I think that Irish readers will really respond well to it. Exciting, yeah. I can't wait to to get my hands on them as well. Um, on that note, you mentioned uh, pre-ordering, which I know um, has a, a big role to play in publishing in general, but um, for a small press, like, is that a massive part of, of it or... Um, yeah, it is an important part. Like it, it can be so helpful. In know, I, I know you said print runs earlier and actually I don't know if I answered that question, but um, we tend to do quite small print runs. So there will be between 1,000 and 2,000 copies for an initial print run. But it's great with the pre-orders, you're kind of able to gauge and also with the, the bookshop orders, a combination of, of different things and also similar titles in the market. Um, but yeah, it's, it makes such a difference when people pre-order either from us or from their favorite bookshop. So if, if readers do have the means to do that, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great help. Great. Um, well, thank you so much for having a chat with me. I found that really interesting. Um, there's always just so much to keep learning about in publishing. Um, I've just started a new job in publishing and I kind of thought I knew loads and I've realised I actually hadn't even tipped the iceberg. So um, thank you for, for chatting with us about that. Um, and thank you for everyone for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this episode of Inside Publishing, uh, you can find more via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I've been your host, Joyce Dignam, and we'll see you next time.